Hello, welcome to the Seeking Pearls podcast. My name is Rebecca Meitinger. It is awesome to be here with you today. We are already nearing the end of August and our kids are headed back to school, which is crazy. It's crazy. Honestly, I think my kids are ready to go back to school. I am ready for them to go back to school, but I think that's because they seem to be ready to go back to school. They are getting uh, antsy around the house. The boys just want to do video games all day long. Uh, The girls, I know, are really excited that their sports have started back up with varsity sports, um, high school sports with swimming and cross country are the sports that are happening in this house right now. And I know my boys and my girls are both, they're all just really ready to go to school. And as we think about going back to school, I I knew that I wanted to do a podcast series about sending our kids back to school and specifically public school because that is our experience at our house. We, uh, my kids attend Fargo Public and public school has a, a place in my heart that is special. I feel that we are called to the public school. I feel like our family is called to public school and to serving and praying and uh, loving the public schools. That doesn't mean <laughs> that I think that it's amazing. <laughs> there are lots of challenges in having our kids at a public school. It's been a struggle in lots of ways. It will continue to be a struggle in lots of ways, but that is all the more reason why it's important for us to talk about it as believers in Jesus. How do we support and love those who are working in and attending our public schools because it is where the vast majority, I mean, I bet it's like, I don't have numbers on this, like what percentage of our kids in our communities spend their days in our public schools? I would imagine it's well over 90%. Although, like I said, I don't have numbers for that. But just a huge, huge number of our kids in our cities and communities spend all of their days in our public schools. So what better mission field is there within our cities than to be loving and serving in our schools? And so I knew that I wanted to do a podcast about that, about preparing our kids to go back to school. But here's the thing I always say about myself. I am really not a speaker. I'm a Bible teacher. Um, What I always say is if I'm not holding a Bible in my hand, then I really have nothing to say. And that's totally true. So I knew I wanted to do a back to school thing. But as I thought about what would I say about sending my kids back to school, because unless I'm taking stuff straight from the Bible, I don't really feel like I have a lot to offer. And over the last couple of weeks, because I took a couple of weeks off podcasting after we finished First Peter, and we went on vacation, and I just have been had some time to like pray about this and think through what what might the Lord have for me to say to you about sending our kids back to school. Really, I realize that what this is is going to be. We're going to talk about praying for our kids as they go back to school. So, how do we pray for our kids? as they head back to school. And I have about five things that I want to focus on, so I think there's probably going to be about five episodes here. But here's what we're going to do today. Today we're going to talk about praying the armor of God over our kids. This is something that I have been in the habit of doing for a couple of years, and I'll explain more of that as we get into it. Why do I go through praying the armor of God over a family, and how do I do it? You might not be familiar. When I say praying the armor of God over our kids, In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talks about what 
what is called the armor of God, what he calls the armor of God. And he talks about how to put on the armor. Um, So it would be like the same types of armor that a soldier would wear in battle, except it's in the spiritual realm. So we're spiritually putting on armor to guard us against spiritual attack, against attacks of the enemy. And I'm going to talk you through all of that. I'm going to share the scripture with you. But that is what I'm referring to. And then the next one will be praying the presence of God over our kids. Certainly God assures us that his presence will go with us and he will be with us. But what does that mean? And what does that look like when our kids are in a public school? What does it look like to pray for the presence of God to cover over our kids? The next one after that will be praying the peace of God over our kids. Of course, as the the presence of God is with our kids, the peace of God will be with them as well. But how do we specifically pray for the peace of God to come against all the anxieties that our children might have uh, building up within them? And then we'll talk about praying the power of God over our kids. What does it mean that our kids go to school in power? They are going to school clothed in the power of God. What does that mean? How can we pray that over them? How does that shape their day, their friendships, their activities? And then finally, we're going to end with praying the love of God over our kids. Praying for the love of God to permeate their days within their school buildings so that they may know the height, depth, width of the love of God. And, uh, and that they may pursue the love of God, that they may experience the love of God every day within their school buildings. So those are the things that I'm looking at, talking about as we go through this series. Today we're going to start with praying the armor of God over our kids. All right, so it was several years ago when I started praying the armor of God over our family. And uh, it was in 2017, I remember, so I guess five years ago. And the reason it came about for our family is because in 2017, in the winter of 2017, my husband was for the first time ever diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. My husband is a captain in the Fargo Fire Department. He has an extremely high stress job and sees horrible, horrible things at work on a regular basis, horrible tragedies that he responds to. And over the course of years, those horrible tragedies and those scenes that he walks into have built up into kind of like what he would what he would call almost like a movie. And they just when something triggers him, it'll just like play in his head, like slide after slide after slide of horrible images that he has encountered. And so uh, in 2017, he was for the first time diagnosed with PTSD. It was a very, very hard season in our life and in our marriage. And, uh, you know, we've gone through lots of counseling and lots of praying, lots of um, spiritual work over the last five years. Like any sort of mental health struggle, it has highs and lows. Actually, any sort of health struggle, period, right? All health struggles, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, there's high points and there's low points. There's times where you feel like you are in remission, for lack of a better word. You're just feeling at peace. You feel like you have been healed. And then there's times where you slump back down and you have to go through more treatment and more uh, medical intervention. And so... That has been our story for the last five and a half years. When Paul was first diagnosed with PTSD, 
I was in my prayer closet and I was praying through the armor of God and and I heard God tell me to put it on my husband as my husband was going to work because I was in my prayer closet really early at like 5.30 in the morning and Paul was headed to work and I just heard the Spirit of God say, put the armor on Paul. And it was so funny because I actually stopped while I was praying. I often pray out loud. And so I just stopped and I asked God like out loud. I said, wait a minute, can I do that? Because in the scripture that we're going to read in just a moment from Ephesians 6, in the scripture, it tells the reader, put on the armor of God. Like you put on the armor on yourself. And I wasn't sure. I was like, can I put the armor on another person? Can I pray the armor onto another person? And I just, so I asked God out loud. I was like, can I do that? Like, does it work that way? And here's the deal. All I heard from God was, Rebecca, just do it. (laughs) Just do it. Like, leave the details to me about whether or not it works that way and just go for it. Pray the armor onto your husband was one of the times when I heard God speaking to me and it was almost audible and he just said go for it so I prayed the armor of God on my onto my husband that day and and then I just kept going and I was like well I may as well put the armor on all of my kids as well because they go to school and I it has been a habit ever since most I'm not going to say every because I certainly certainly do not do it every day but most school days I the Lord has really brought me to a place where I'm able to be faithful in putting on the armor of God on my kids before school and on my husband every morning as well and on myself. I will say this though, that I have failed immensely this summer. I'm lazy in the summer. My prayer time is lazy in the summer. My workouts, like my physical workouts are lazy in the summer. My eating habits are lazy in the summer. Uh, My Bible reading has been good in the summer, but Pretty much all my other physical and spiritual disciplines are lazy in the summer. And so this summer I have not been faithful about praying on the armor of God over our family. But I am back into it because school is starting and I have motivation to get my kids ready for school. So here's the deal. We might like our schedule is crazy before school starts. I was just texting a friend the other day because she was asking me if I want to carpool on some driving for for our kids and I just texted her back and I was like okay I'm gonna have to check the schedule because I'm like dizzy trying to get my kids ready for school between all the appointments all the sports physicals eye doctors dentists uh like orientations picture days uh school shopping for shoes supplies all of the stuff plus sports practices have started and I I'm like dizzy and I'm we work so hard to get our kids ready for school. But more important than any of it, any of it, is getting them spiritually ready for school. And I think that is just so ignored and not even seen as like a thing that we should be doing. And yet getting our kids spiritually ready for school 
is by far the most important thing. It's more important to taking my kids than taking my kids to the dentist, which I've done this week. It's more important than taking them to the eye doctors, which I've done this week. It's more important than their sports physicals, even though without their sports physicals, they can't play sports. But getting them spiritually ready is more important. It's more important than new jeans. It's more important than new shoes. It's more important than all their school supplies that are on the school supplies list. It's more important than new backpacks. It's the most important thing, getting them spiritually ready for school. And yet it is the most ignored part of getting our kids ready for a new school year. So I am back at it. I am committed to to working hard. Like in the Apostle Paul's letters, he talks about prayer as hard work. He says that he contends and he fights and he wrestles and he struggles in prayer. And I am ready, I'm recommitted to doing that for my kids in preparation for them to start a new school year, to fight on their behalf, to contend for them, to struggle and wrestle in prayer to prepare my kids for a new school year. Part of that is with the armor of God. So I am going to go ahead and read the armor of God text from Ephesians chapter 6. And then I will kind of walk through and just explain how I pray each of these pieces of armor. And when I do the actual praying for the, the armor over our kids and over our family, I think it takes like five minutes. It doesn't take a long time. I mean, you could easily spend an hour praying for this every day. But what I want you to know is that you don't need to spend an hour praying for this every day. Uh, It doesn't have to be that huge of a time commitment. All right, so Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul is ending his letter to the church in Ephesus. Writing to the church, he says in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you might be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people. All right, so he encourages the church to put on the armor of God. Why? He tells us exactly why in verse 11. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. All right, so interestingly on this podcast, if you've been tracking, we just finished a series on 1 Peter chapter 5, which I loved doing. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, nearing the end, so chapter 5 verse 8, nearing the end of this letter, Peter writes... Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
the devil does not leave our kids alone when they go to school. And I would say that the devil does not leave our kids alone ever. The devil does not leave Christians alone ever because Christians are those who love and know the Lord Jesus are the ones that the devil most wants to attack and interfere with and make us quiet, make us um, like shut us up, (laughs) bring us down, uh, make us have disunity with one another, separate us from the love of God, make us, I mean, nothing, nothing can, Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Certainly, though, the devil tries to make us think that we have been separated from the love of God. And absolutely, that is a primary way that he ploys on our kids, which we will talk about when we talk about praying the love of God over our kids. But uh, the devil has schemes. He has schemes for our kids. He has schemes in our schools. And I would say that this is not just about public school. Certainly, the devil's schemes within public school might be more obvious. They might be easier to identify for us to pick out like, oh, that's a scheme of the devil. That's a scheme of the devil. But let us keep in mind that when Paul wrote this letter to the church in Ephesus, he's writing it to a church and he's letting the church know that the devil is scheming against it. And since the devil is scheming against it, they need to put on the armor of God. So I would just make sure we all understand that whether we go to public or private school, the devil is scheming. And sometimes the schemes are easier to see than other times. It's possible that in private school, the the schemes are a little bit more hidden. They're a little bit harder to distinguish, perhaps. They might not be as like out there and clear as in public school, but they're there. The devil is scheming wherever there are believers in Jesus. There are certainly believers in Jesus in our public schools, wonderful Christian teachers that I know and that I pray for, that I appreciate so much. There are kids filled with the Holy Spirit going to our schools every single day, and we need to be covering them with prayer, putting the armor of God over them. Why? So that they can stand against the devil's schemes. And then verse 12 goes on to assure us that the struggles we have, whether it's when you enter this school building or you go to this church or you go to whatever, whatever struggles you have, your struggles are not against flesh and blood. Sure, there are people in our school buildings and in our school board of directors that we may disagree with. There certainly are for me. Uh, There's certainly things that I disagree with. There's policy I disagree with. However, my struggle and my kids' struggle is not against any flesh and blood. It's not against people. Our struggle is against the devil and his scheming. It says our struggle is against the rulers, the authorities, not the rulers and our authorities of the schools, by no means, the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil that are working in this world. That is who our struggle is against. And so in earlier in, in Paul's letter to Corinth, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he writes that we fight with different weapons than the world fights. The weapons that we fight with, because our, because our battle is spiritual, we have to have spiritual weapons. We have to have spiritual armor. And prayer is key, number one. That's the number one weapon that we fight with. 
prayer and the word of God. Those are the main weapons that we're going to fight with. But then we're going to also put on armor to protect us in this battle. So he says, because our battle is spiritual and not against flesh and blood, we need to put on the full armor of God so that when evil comes to us, we can stand our ground. We can stand our ground. All right, so then in in verse 14, Paul is going to get to the first piece of armor. And he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. When the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, he was in prison in Rome in a, in a house prison, and he would have been chained to Roman guards. And as he was chained to these Roman guards, he was composing this letter. And now he did this out loud. So he is speaking his letter out loud, and it is being written down. In verse 21, it looks like Tychicus. Tychicus is writing down this letter. And so Paul is speaking it out loud, and I just think that's so fascinating because he is chained to Roman guards, and as he is chained to Roman guards, he is speaking this letter out loud, and I'm sure the guards are hearing him probably in understanding in the language that he's speaking, which would have been probably Greek. He probably spoke it out loud in Greek, and it was written down in Greek. And the Roman guards are probably understanding everything he's saying, realizing that he is speaking about them, like he's looking at their armor and telling the church in Ephesus to put these same things on, but in a spiritual sense. So the the belt, the belt of truth, the belt of their armor held the armor all together. So it held the very heavy breastplate of their armor, would have been attached to the belt and and the and the belt just held everything together now just typically not necessarily in armor but just a typical thing would have been in in that day men would have worn like a big kind of like a belt girdle around their waist and their flowing robes anytime that their robes got in the way of like physical labor they would have taken their robe um, picked it up by the hem and tucked it into that belt so that their their legs were free for any heavy labor or lifting or running that they had to do. So this belt, not only does it hold all of the armor together, it holds everything together, but it also is um, enables you to pick up your robes quickly so you can be on the move, so you can run quickly, so that you can have use of your legs and do heavy work. So it holds everything together. So the thing that holds everything together for our kids, for our armor spiritually, is the truth. Our kids need to know the rock-solid truth of the Lord Jesus. They need to know the rock-solid truth. They need to stand on Jesus. That is their belt. He is our rock. It holds everything together. They need the truth. They need to be solidified in the truth. They need to be girded up in the truth of who God is and how much he loves them and what he has done for them and who they are in him. Just the truths of the Bible needs to be their core. It needs to be tightened around their co- the core of who they are. So we put on the belt of truth that it just holds everything together. And then the breastplate of righteousness. So I want you to think about 
a big brass breastplate that a soldier would wear. And of course, the point of the breastplate is to protect the heart. And the, the Bible calls this the breastplate of righteousness. Whose righteousness is it? It's Jesus's righteousness. He became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we get to actually put on the righteousness of Jesus as a breastplate, as this really strong brass breastplate to protect the heart so that when attacks are coming at our kids or ourselves or whoever is putting on the armor of God, so when attacks are coming at them, temptations are coming at them, that their heart is protected by the righteousness of Jesus. Their heart is protected. The enemy is going to come after our kids' hearts. And we need their hearts to be covered by the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ to cover over them, to guard them from all temptation, to guard them from anything that would just bring down their heart. Then it says in verse 15, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. All right, I just love this. We need to get our feet ready with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. When our kids, though, this is especially true, I would say, for those of us who have our kids headed into the public school buildings, may their feet be ready to take them to those who need to know the gospel of peace. Our schools are filled with kids who don't know the peace of God, the love of God, the truth of God. They're filled with kids who, who have anxiety that is like, overflowing with who have depressive suicidal thoughts all day long because they don't know the peace of God or the love of God. So would my kids feet be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace? May their feet go where the where God needs them to go? Would their feet carry them to the lunch table they need to go to? Would their feet carry them to the person who's standing by the locker who needs a hug? Would their feet carry them to the kid who's being bullied and needs somebody to stand up for them? Would their feet carry them to the person who has never heard in their life that God loves them, that there is a God in heaven who created them and loves them? Would my kids' feet be ready to go and share that good news? In verse 16, we read, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith would be like the big shield that the soldier is holding. And of course, he would hold it out in front of him in battle to protect himself from from fiery arrows to protect himself from swords and spears that are coming at him. We hold up the shield of faith because arrows are coming. It's not that arrows might come or sometimes come. No, arrows come. It's a guarantee. There's going to be flaming, fiery arrows coming at us. Oftentimes when I'm praying this in the mornings, I will just ask God, God, what flaming arrows are coming at us? Like right now, even if it's 5.30 in the morning when I'm praying this, what arrows are coming at us? They're already in motion. What are they? Help me identify them. Help me see them. And help me to hold up the shield of faith so that when the, when the arrows hit 
the shield of faith, they are extinguished. So Roman soldiers would dip their shields into huge buckets of water to get them wet so that when these flaming arrows would come at their shields, they would be extinguished. Another thing that the Roman soldiers did, soldiers did, which I love, this is part of my favorite part of this prayer in the mornings, is they would stand in what's called turtle formation, and they would stand together with their shields above them, protecting them as they huddle together. And as I pray for the shield of faith for our family, I like go down the line and I'm like, I pray for Paul to hold up his shield of faith and Rebecca and Evelyn and Lily and Greg and Griffin. And I pray the shield of faith over all of us. I pray the shield of faith over Paul and I specifically for our marriage. I pray the shield of faith to cover our marriage, to guard our marriage, to guard us against all the flaming arrows that are being aimed at our marriage and over our kids. And then I pray for us to huddle together and I pray for the shield of faith to, as we hold up our shield of faith, to be like in turtle formation so that all of our shields together protect us as a family unit. And if one person in that family unit is too weak to hold up their shield of faith at any given moment, would they be covered by the other shields of faith, by the other five of us as we lift up our shields of faith over our entire family? Would we cover one another? And that is my prayer for our family always, always, every single day. I mean, right now, as I just give it in a podcast, like I'm covered in goosebumps, that is my prayer for our family. Because the flaming arrows are coming. The flaming arrows are a guarantee. But so is the shield of faith. The the shield of faith is a guarantee. I have been journaling through the Psalms this summer, and the number of times that the Psalms say that the Lord is my shield It's just remarkable that he shields us and he is a guarantee to shield us from the flaming arrows of the evil one. All right, then he says in verse 17, he says, take the helmet of salvation. I love to pray about this helmet. Clearly, the point of the helmet in battle is to cover the brain, to protect the brain. But I would say here in a spiritual sense, it's to cover the mind to pray over our mind for spiritual protection. So I always pray, every day I pray that the helmet of salvation would guard the truth in. Like we we already have the, the belt of truth buckled around our waist, holding us together, girding us up. Now would the helmet of salvation guard our minds so that all of that truth would stay in our minds. Like put the helmet on to keep the truth in. And... Put the helmet on to keep the lies out. So truth in, lies out. Would the helmet of salvation protect our minds to keep everything true and right and good about our salvation? Jesus has saved us. We have been set free. We are forgiven. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are heirs of God. We are co-heirs with Christ. Eternity is a guarantee. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, keep the truth in, the truths of our salvation. Keep it in and keep the lies out. That is the job of the helmet of salvation. One day when my son was young, 
he was he was on lunch count duty or whatever in elementary school and there was so he was walking down to the lunchroom during the during the day sometime to get all the milk for his class snack snack time and he was with one other classmate and in the middle of the hallway was a really unfortunate sad episode a child was having an extremely explosive behavioral outburst that that was full of vulgar language and we actually got an email about it that afternoon um, from the principal just letting us know that it had happened and i asked my kids about it after school and gregory said oh yeah that was happening with me when when me and so-and-so, whatever his friend's name was, when we went down to the lunchroom to get our milk for a morning snack that happened, and then we had to rush back upstairs and get into our classroom and close the door. And I asked him what he heard because we had been told that it included a lot of vulgarity. And he said this. He said, well, Mom, I actually didn't hear anything that the kid was screaming. Like, I knew he was screaming, but I didn't hear anything. But my friend who he had been walking down to the lunchroom with to get the milk count, he said, but he heard all of it, and he said it was really bad. And I said, Gregory, what do you mean you didn't hear it? And he said, I don't know, I just didn't hear any of it. But they walked right past it, like in the midst of it. And I said, bud, I don't understand what you mean when you said you didn't hear it. And he said, I don't know, Mom, I just didn't hear any of the words. And it occurred to me later on, I was like, oh my goodness. He had on the helmet of salvation. I had prayed the helmet of salvation onto him that morning. And the helmet of salvation protected him from whatever vulgarities were being screamed in the hallway that day. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Is it always going to work that way? No. Is he going to hear vulgarities when he goes onto the bus to go to middle school next week? Yes. But I'm going to pray the helmet of salvation on him. And I'm going to trust the helmet of salvation to do its job and to protect his mind. The armor of God works. It works. It's effective. And our job is to pray it on. The next piece of armor is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We need to pray that our kids would know the word of God. We need to teach them the word of God. We can pray that they would know the word of God all we want, but if we're not teaching them it, they won't know it, no matter how much we pray that they would know it. We need to teach them the word of God. We need to pray that they would hide the word of God deep in their hearts. Psalm 119 verse nine says, how shall a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. How shall a young man keep his way pure? That's my 12-year-old son. How shall a young man keep his way pure? The answer in Psalm 119 verse 9 comes right after the question by guarding himself with the word of God. So we take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Interestingly, the sword of the spirit, the word of God, is the only offensive piece of armor that is given to us well not necessarily because prayer comes next so the word of god and prayer are what we have it makes me think about my husband who's a firefighter and all of my husband's gear is is really defensive gear right it's all defensive against the fire it is the fire protectant 
uh, suit, it is the boots, it is the air pack, it is the helmet and the face guard, the gloves, all of it is defensive against the fire, except for what? The hose, the actual water hose that sprays water on the fire. That is his offensive weapon. It's the only offensive weapon he has. And can you imagine crew of firefighters going to a fire and they have all the defensive gear they need so that they themselves are not burned by the flames, but they don't bring anything to put out the flames? Wouldn't that be completely obscene and absurd and crazy and it would never happen? And yet how often do we as believers in Jesus, we live in this world that is filled with spiritual battle and we don't arm ourselves with the one thing that can help us to put out the lies, to counter the lies, to bring truth into where the lies are, to bring the light into the darkness. We need the word of God and we need to teach our kids the word of God. When my kids were younger, we did memory verses every single week. I have fallen out of that pattern, which I often regret, but what is occurring in its place is far better where my kids are now taking upon themselves the reading of scripture. And that is that is the better goal than me teaching them to memorize verses. Yes, that is first and foremost when they are young, me teaching them to memorize verses. That is imperative. But the next step of that is for them to take the initiative to read the scripture on their own and to get God's word deep into their own hearts. And when that starts to happen with our older kids and teenagers, that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then we pray for the work of the spirit to work in their hearts and embed that word of God deep into their hearts. The next uh, verse is, is verse 18, and it says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for the Lord's people. As we teach our kids to study and to know and to read the Word of God, we also need to teach them to pray and to be able to pray about all things to be able to teach our kids that you can pray about everything, about everything that comes your direction, about every struggle, every trial, every temptation, every hardship that you face, every anxiety you face, every difficult decision, every friendship, everything that you are confused about, you can pray about all of it. Teaching our kids to pray about all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests and keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. That is power. When I was just coming up on sending my first daughter to school, so about 10 years ago, she's 16, so when she was probably like four or five and we were trying to discern, are we going to go public school or private school? Somebody that I admire very much from college, a friend of mine from college, who I respect a great deal as a spiritual mentor, she uh, she's actually my age, but her son is a year older than my daughter. And I found out that her son was going to go to kindergarten in a public school. And they live in the Twin Cities. And I messaged her on Facebook and I said, hey, 
I'm so interested that you are sending your child to public school. How did you come to that decision? Do you have peace with that decision? I am right now trying to discern if we should go public or private, and I would love to know how you came about with your decision to do public school. And she wrote back to me very simply and said, here's the deal. I trust that God is big enough to protect my kid at public school. Nothing is going to come against my child at public school that God can't handle and that God won't protect him from. And I was blown away by that answer, by the faith that she shared and just the protective nature of our God and that she was willing to trust her child with this God who can protect her child everywhere. And I was so comforted by that and encouraged We uh, followed what we believe was God's path for our family and have pursued public school ever since our oldest went to kindergarten. And it has proven true over and over again that our God is faithful to protect our kids. And do I agree with everything that's going on in our public schools? No. Do I think it's the greatest education for my kids? No. (laughs) Do I feel like we are called there as a family? Yes. Yes. Do I know that when my kids go to school, they are bringing the Holy Spirit with them and the Holy Spirit can work through them to reach other kids who don't know the love of God. Yes and amen. I believe that completely wholeheartedly. It it just brings me joy to know that it can be a mission field. The public school system can be a mission field for our family. But that doesn't mean that it's not without risk. Of course it has risk to it. Everything does. And that's why I put the armor of God on my kids every day. It's like them getting dressed. Like they have to go to school with clothes on. Why would I ever send my child to school without the armor of God on them? To cover them, to shield them, to protect them. But also, like the shoes of the gospel, to, f- to give them readiness and fittedness to take the gospel wherever it needs to go in that building and the word of God, to give them the word of God that they can take to places in that building, that they can take to hearts in that building, that they can give an encouraging word to another person who needs it in that building. I mean, what a wonderful thing that we have the armor of God as this gift that we can put on and that we can put on our kids and then we can take it into places that need the gospel. And we are ready to do that when we put on the armor of God. And so that is how I start my school days, praying for my kids. I'm headed back to school this year as well as a substitute teacher and will be putting the armor of God on myself as well every day. Uh, and, And all of us, this isn't just about school, clearly When Paul wrote this, he was writing to a church. (laughs) It wasn't about going to school. It's about all of our lives. Every single day, there is spiritual warfare that we are going to encounter. It's not a question of if. It is absolutely a question of when. And I think oftentimes it is almost almost all, all the time. Like there's spiritual warfare around us all the time, I think. It intensifies certainly at various times. But I think it's always there at some level, and we need the armor of God um, every single day as we encounter the world around us. So that is how I am getting my kids ready for school right now, is just praying the armor of God over them. I would like to talk more in the next episode about praying the presence of God over our kids and really teaching our kids to lean into the presence of God. 
and and then the peace of God and the power of God and the love of God. So those are the things that I want to look at in coming episodes. So I hope you have an awesome day and uh, I hope that you are blessed by this and that you begin praying uh, the armor of God piece by piece over your family members. It will give you power as you lean into that prayer. So praise be to God. Bye.